everyone. This is the Sound Health Radio Show with Richard Talk to Me Guy and Sherry Edwards is at work on the soundhealthportal.com. I know I say that every week, and it's true. Sherry is just relentless in the most positive ways and focused on always improving and adding new forms of information and new ways of seeing how the Sound Health Portal can display information. That's one of my favorite things about the Sound Health Portal. Having been a working with Sherry for years, we used to lug around a laptop and do software that was just numbers. Now, in the Sound Health Portal, the numbers are still there, and you can still get those charts. However, you see a lot of displays. Now that I've said all that, I'll explain more about that. <laughs> to find out more about the Sound Health Portal, you can go to soundhealthportal.com, scroll down to Current Campaigns, and some of the current campaigns are uh, bio diet, fibromyalgia, corona conflict, or PTSD. The campaigns are the free uh, trials you can take, and they're always changing, but I know that some of them currently. And if you scroll down a bit further, you can, sign, you can see the tab that says get a, how to get a free report, where you sign up with your email, and then you choose your campaign, and prompts will take you through recording two 30 to 40 second recordings of your voice. Here I will interject that I highly recommend uh, having the Samsung Go mic or something like that because it really improves the quality of your input. And also another reason I would advocate for the Samsung Go mic is because since everybody on the planet is Zooming or webinaring or face, no, not that, FaceTiming, there we go or duoing, really adding the Samsung Go mic, it's only about $30, $40, but it's a great little mic to have around, and it really improves your input into vocal profiling, as well as audio on all of your events. So you are guided to do two 30 to 40 second recordings. You do the recordings, you choose the campaign, you submit that, and within two to 24 hours, Usually it's 2 to 10, but sometimes mm, 24, depending upon load. You'll get a report by email. I highly recommend sitting down with that report with a cup of tea and reviewing it. There's a lot of information. And then if you have a healthcare practitioner who you think is open to it, you can take it and talk to them with with it and see what they think. Is this too much? Is this too little? How can we help balance that? What could we do? And then if you want further work, then you contact soundhealthoptions.com and there's a list of practitioners there which can work with you further. And also while you're at soundhealthoptions.com, if you want to see more about the portal and see some live demos, you can go to classes and then scroll down to portal presentations and there at the top will be the most recent demonstration that Sherry has done a webinar online where you'll get, her, get to see her, watch her go through the process of doing an intake with somebody and doing the workup, and you'll get to see the visuals now, which are really, I really like the visuals because it gives you pie charts and things that are just make it so like, oh, this is what we need to focus on right now. This is the thing that is the most, has the highest level of need to be looked at. Because oftentimes it can be found that there are states of imbalance And if you bring one thing, that thing that is the most um, hyper, I'll call it, 
into balance, then other things can fall into place. And it's really, it's an amazing thing to see. I highly recommend going and watching one of the demos. And if you're on their email list, if you go to Sound Health Options and sign up for the email list, you'll get notified and you can watch the demos live and even volunteer to have your vocal print done. Amazing stuff. And to hear and share replays of this show, about 15 minutes after I end the show, you can go to soundhealthoptions.com, click on the radio tab, and then click on Sound Health Radio. And the flyer for this show will be at the top with link backs to the show notes and the replay. Or you can now see at that Sound Health Radio page at the top, we have Stitcher or Pocket Cast links. And let's say you click on Stitcher. It will open and this podcast will be, this show will be at the top of that list. The podcast aggregators, which both podcast and Stitcher are podcast aggregators, sometimes take up to an hour or so to get the feed. But you can go to either of those. And both of those have easy ways to share the audio. And this is one of those shows that you're going to want to share with friends, probably re-listen to, because there's a lot of great information here with Ed Harold. Really, breath work. Wow. And so you can do use those either those apps or if you're an iOS user, you can use their their app is called Podcasts. And on Android the default app is Google Podcasts. And you can go to any of those and search for either Talk to Me Guy or Sherry Edwards and the over seven hundred hours of shows will pop in. With that, Ed Harold is an author, inspirational leader, public speaker, coach, and educator. Ed's mastery in the science of mindful breathing has guided him to apply conscious breathing practices in corporate health and performance coaching, fitness and athletic training, healthcare containing education courses, stress reduction, and overall health and well-being. Ed is the author of Life with Breath, IQ plus EQ equals New You, as well as Body Mind Business, the business of being within. Ed blends the fields of neuroscience and the wisdom of contemplative traditions into effective strategies to improve health, well-being, and performance. Ed's fluency in mindfulness-based strategies combined with belief in the human potential gives him the depth and understanding to meet individuals and group needs across industries and platforms. Ed is a contributing health and wellness editor for Thrive Global, Mind Body Green, and PT on the Net, Huffington Post, and more. Ed joins us today to talk about breath as an immune system modulator. Welcome, Ed. Well, thank you for that wonderful uh, welcome, Richard, and your audience. I'm so excited to share some information uh, with you guys today. I'm wondering if I could, I didn't warn you about this when we were talking backstage. Would you be able to take us to a short breath exercise right now to give us a demo of, even in a short form, it's amazing to me how effective this is. Could you take us through a short breath practice? Certainly. So sit up as tall as you can in your spine. Press your feet 
firmly down into the earth. And notice how that engages safety uh, in the sense, sense organs of the lower brain. Relax your shoulder blades back and down and see if you can get some more space between your ears and your shoulders. Reset your eyes back in the sockets and release and relax your low jaw. Become aware that your autonomic nervous system is breathing for you. But if you wish, you can consciously take control of your breath. So begin to slow down your inhale and your breathing through your nose with the face relaxed and the physical spine straight. And as the inhale is initiated, imagine your belly swelling away from the front of your spine. And as the inhale evolves up towards your chest, allow your ribs to expand like gills. You'll notice when the inhale is complete, there is a gap or a moment there in your mind before you begin the process of exhale. On the exhale, you're gently drawing your navel back towards the front of your spine without straining. And then at the base of your exhale, you'll notice there is another gap in your mind before you inhale a fresh moment. So just begin to try to slow down the inhale and try to take in a little more air without straining. Now try to slow the exhale down and see if you can complete your exhale to the best of your ability through your nostrils, really getting that deflation of the lungs removing toxins, strengthening immune function, strengthening a parasympathetic response. And as you inhale through your nose, notice the physical spine becomes erect as the abdominal diaphragm muscle presses down towards your low back. On your exhale, you might want to look at the mind of your spine. Yes, the spine is extremely intelligent, and it's always in the present moment. After the next inhale is complete, hold your breath in for a two count and stop your mind in that silence, in that stillness. And then exhale slowly through your nose longer than your inhale. And then hold your breath out for a two count before you inhale again. Repeat, slow motion inhale from the navel to the collarbone, two count hold in, slow motion exhale to completion, complete the moment, and then hold the breath out for a two count. Repeat. Let the breath do all the work wherever you notice tension. Let the breath release it and relax it. And just for the last round or two, when you're holding in and when you're holding out, 
squeeze your abdominal muscles. You'll sense a little more gastric fire. And this will strengthen immune function and steady the mind-body connection. Breathing slower. Two-count holds. Contract the abdominal area. Find a place in your mind where you're always welcomed. No matter what you're wearing, what you're thinking, what you're feeling. And know that you're always welcomed there. And the gifts that you bring to the table in life are always big enough. Now let your body breathe on its own. And notice that smooth inhale and how much the brain is organized and prepared to enter this moment. Notice the smooth exhale and know that you're burning fat instead of sugar. You're increasing immunity and you're removing toxins from the mind-body connection. Thank you, Richard. <laughs> you mean I'm going to do a show now? No. Um, <laughs> I, I feel smoother. Is how I would. I mean, I could I could go into a bunch of thinking about it, but my overall immediate feeling is that I feel smoother. I know I'm more in the now, not thinking about the then and the where I'm going, but I'm more in the now. But I feel overall smoother. Is that the is that part of the effect of the parasympathetic, or is that getting out of the head noise, or? I think there's a that? lot of diff- there's a lot of different reasons why it occurred. I think the languaging of smooth or momentum or rhythm is something that the brain, the higher brain, the hippocampus, the auditory and visual centers of the brain really enjoy that smooth inhale as we insert ourselves to the opportunity in the present moment. So, you know, we can talk about the exhale and the parasympathetic response and strengthening the immune and alkalining our blood and all of those great things that come from uh, amplifying our ability to remove waste on this process of exhale that comes from the human body. But when we get unsteady, uh, when there is an intruder in our mind or somehow our peace has been uh, hijacked, we look to the inhale. We look to that vertical movement down of the diaphragm muscle in the abdomen to activate the entric nervous system of the belly, to straighten the spine, and to open the mind to the opportunity. But smooth is great. And well, I'm going to step sideways slightly here for a moment. How did this come into a focus for you? How did breath become your passion have you i mean besides being born and taking your first breath how did breath come into focus and the say i mean i think it is i say that jokingly but it is really true i mean wouldn't we think breath is important it's the first thing we do in life really i mean we come out and we're breathing that first breath we're always seeing in the movie the baby's first breath it's a miraculous thing and how did it come into a focus for you well, for me, I, I, just like anything else in life, I kind of bounced into it, uh, not expecting uh, what I received. Uh, about 25 years ago, I was uh, stuck in the office, and uh, I had something to do uh, 
had a dinner engagement or something. And I only had about a half hour uh, to go to the gym and to the gym is kind of like, it was, it was my time. It was time where I go and take care of my inner world, take care of my thoughts and emotions, uh, you know, become vibrant again. And I was late and I was rushed. And this little voice in my head said, you know, why don't you take this yoga breathing, this yoga pranayama, and apply it to Western exercise and try to kind of create a bridge uh, blending the Eastern technique of breath control with Western movement or fitness, which is basically frequency, intensity, duration. How much do you do it? How long do you do it? How hard do you do it? And I was, I stepped onto this machine and I, I began to use the ocean sounding breath and brief breath retentions with less weight. And something lit up inside of me because I'm a kinesthetic visual learner. And I've got, I got this huge rush of energy, uh, that was coming up to my brain, but I wasn't working out physically as hard. And then immediately I knew that this was something I was going to practice and do for every day for the rest of my life. So I kind of backed my way into it, but then I began to see that, uh, adding breath control, which was typically just taught on a meditation cushion or a yoga mat into all the platforms that I was interacting with in my conscious life made me more efficient and effective and less emotional and in the negative way. Hmm. I think that's interesting about the working out because uh, we were talking backstage that I was a chef for a long time and all through those years I would go to the gym after a hard day's work, but I would go to the gym and work out and pump iron and I called it my meditation and it wasn't, I didn't think about it truly. I just called it that because it did get me out of my head. It released all of the, I can't use any of those words, incidents that might have occurred at work. <laughs> so it would just, I would be in the moment. I would be breathing into the exercise. And I found that when I was in the right space and I breathed well, but I wasn't thinking about breath from your perspective yet. I was thinking about it just in terms of I noticed that when I breathe certain ways, my workouts improved. I could move more metal without as much exertion. So I think that's really interesting that for me, there was a benefit. You actually dove into it and, and got it. I was just pumping iron and noticing if my breathing was good, it worked better and more effectively. Yeah, I think that's a, uh, you know, a wonderful awareness that you know, basically in the most simplistic terms, you know, there's two types of meditation. There's meditation of stillness and there's meditation in motion. And if we can bring the qualities of that stillness meditation to the moments that we have of movement, and we can bring these moments of meditation in motion as a, as a tool or motivator to help us become more still, then I think we're accessing uh, both ends of the seesaw, so to speak, to help us uh, kind of get a richer understanding of what it's like to be human. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll use hopefully one last shift reference in my early days. Uh, part of the training was here's a bag of, here's a 50 pound sack of potatoes, peel them with a knife. And part of that was because it developed muscles in your forearms that would serve you later when you were decorating a cake or baking bread or something else. That was part of the real foundation, a little bit of punishment, a little bit of like fire by tri- trial by fire. 
But there was a, again, that was another one where if you settled into it and just settled into like, okay, I'm just doing it. Here's one potato, here's the next potato, and then eventually you got to the end of the bag. If you resisted, it was really bad. If you just got into it and sort of went with the rhythm of it doing it and began to notice the rhythm of your hands and, and your skills got better and better, you got faster and faster. It was a kind of meditation. I wouldn't, at the time, I didn't have the consciousness of that, but years later, I realized it was like being in motion and just flowing with like, okay, I have to get to the bottom of this bag of potatoes. I can resist it and fight everyone, or I can go with it. And I think that's along the same lines of breath and flow, because that seems to be, like I say, I feel smoother from that short exercise. So the idea of doing that and getting into the flow of things is seems much easier or better. I, I, what are the words that I'm trying to say about that? I mean, you are really getting into a flow state. And would you talk well, about when that flow in, state? Yeah. You know, when you're in flow, there's very little resistance to your desired intention. Uh, there's no fear. There isn't any uh, negative stress. It's almost like you light up something inside you that's a little deeper than where you were yesterday. And it's extremely powerful. It's extremely focused. It can hold attention well. It's not distracted easily by anything on the periphery uh, in our mind. And it really is something that allows us to feel really good at whatever we're doing. Mm, mm-hmm. hmm. Feeling good with what we're doing. I'm writing that down. Um, as we, as we go through the breath process, it just seems to, I, I, I can't help it. It just seems so simple. I mean, and I don't mean that as derogatory as it sounds, but it just seems like, wait, I don't need a gadget or a thing or a blinking light or a device on my brain or I'm just breathing. And yet just breathing is without it, we fall over. There's that. But we, you know, it just seems so breath is a power ally. And that's why I wanted to talk about immune support and all that. How many systems as we... Talk to us about the neuroscience of all this. As we, as we breathe, how many areas of the body does it have effect on? Everything. There isn't anything that the breath isn't creating communication for us and our brain, our heart, our neuromuscular skeletal system. I look at things as the ability to communicate and the more options we have to communicate with the present moment, the more positive uh, chance we have to work our way through items in the mind or resistance in our environment that, that might be causing uh, resistance uh, temporarily to really feeling that self-confidence, that self-esteem. You know, this, uh, this mouth breathing that we see uh, in our culture and has really taken a hold of the stress response and weakened immunity. And we have a tendency to, to overthink things and be oversensitive. And uh, we're, we're in this judging and competitive mode all the time. 
And we're just running on so many RPMs as we move through the day. We overheat our system during the day. And the brain doesn't have a chance to cool the body down enough at night for us to get that beautiful great night's sleep that we know is so beneficial to the various energy systems of the body. So number one is learning how to move through life, breathing with your mouth closed, relaxing the low jaw. You know, when we breathe through our nose, the energy comes up into a series of matted nerves. There's 12 cranial nerves that are in the forebrain area, and they're deeply connected to our sense organs, our, our nose, our eyes, our ears, our mouth, uh, the this, this felt sense of the moment. And the 10th cranial nerve is our vagus nerve, and the vagus nerve regulation plays a huge role in strengthening our immune system. So earlier when we slowed our breathing down and the air came through our nostrils and sinuses, the cranial nerves received a fresh supply of energy and our sense organs began to tone down the sense that there's anything wrong with this moment. It began to shut down the lower part of the brain where we find our animal tendencies, the amygdala. Uh, the hypothalamus, uh, all of these areas that can drain our immune system when we're mouth breathing or breathing fast or shallow or hyperventilating. So slowing that breath down on the inhale, you're satiating these cranial nerves and you're preparing the inner workings of the brain to move into the present moment with a healthy heart rate, with healthy blood pressure, activating the upper brain, staying present, in the two prefrontal cortexes. And this really sets in motion the opportunity in the present moment to be neuroplastic or maybe evolve an old awareness with a new idea or new strategy. Maybe move beyond an old behavior or habit where we stub our toe in our mind-body connection. So getting that air to come in through the nostrils, activating the cranial nerves, and then as we move into the brain just a little bit, the brain sees the air coming in through the nose and it gets all excited and it secretes this amazing chemical called nitric oxide, which is an anti-inflammatory molecule. And obviously the brain, the neurons, the synapses and dentrites, you know, when these nerve endings are, are clear of mucus, phlegm, and fat inflammation, we can think really clear like a laser and, and things are just flowing very, very easy. We can get the answer, you know, right away. And then as the air comes in down through the trachea into the lungs and you have this nitric oxide dilating the alveoli sacs in our lungs, we can add more depth or more potential energy to come into the lungs without the heart rate and blood pressure going up, which is going to shut down immunity. As the diaphragm moves down on the inhale and it massages the entric nervous system of the upper abdomen, we can remember that the physiology of the lower lobes of the lungs is parasympathetic, which means it's oxygen rich. It's hemoglobin rich. It has a boatload of relaxation, serotonin, dopamine nerve endings, which are going to calm us down before we get moving in the doing part of the mind. So you're feeling the moment first before you apply a cognitive thought. 
And this is really the foundation mm-hmm. of keeping us young. Hmm. I'm going to jump for a moment to a question in chat because this fits in. And then I have more questions about nitrous oxide. Somebody's asking if we see or experience something very magnificent or terrifying, it may take our breath away. How does that fit into these concepts? Uh, That's a great question. So our perception of what is occurring is creating our physiology in our body. So if we see something that is less than pleasant or is repulsive, the body's going to react to that as if we're being chased by a bear and the bear wants us for lunch, even though it's just a thought. If we see something pleasant, there's a relaxation response and we're going to want more of that pleasure. And there can be a hyperactivity to the breath. And then that moment of pleasure will be just something between our ears. It won't really have a felt sense in the body. So one of the ways that I like to work with folks, especially when we've been triggered in the sense of the negative light, something that's basically suffocating us out of water. The first step is a psychological awareness that there's an intruder in your mind. The second step is to begin to add breath to the part of that thought or emotion or physical sensation where you feel a knot or where you feel like you're disconnected from happiness. And you'll gradually, over time, take that threat and turn it into a thrive. So adding breath to the parts of our life that we would prefer not be involved in gives the body a chance to feel that thought. And when the body can feel a negative thought, it can in its own genius, discard the part of that thought, which is illusion. It's not real. It can take a look at the small percentage of that where there might be a lesson there for us, where there might be a potential growth opportunity in raising our self-awareness. So the whole goal here is to slow your breath down again and again and again. Every spare moment you have, for the rest of your life. And this will help the body, help the brain, give you a felt sense of where you can feel your thoughts. And when we can feel our thoughts, we're well on our way of evolving our skill sets beyond where we were on Saturday, neutralize it on Sunday, and then organically you'll have a new open window on Monday. Mm. So this is, this is really what you're talking about in chapter one of life with breath is the, the chapter title is our breathing shapes our reality. So this is really the big picture of shaping our reality is being in the moment, blowing the charge on something. If it's in there, observe that fear in our body and take a breath and let it go. I got that right. Roughly. You got that right on Richard, you know, Our breath is doing a lot more than just breathing. Number one, it's creating boundaries in the part of our choosing mind. 
and when we're breathing through our mouth or breathing shallow, our boundaries shrink and there's less choices in the present moment about how we're going to interact with our internal and external environment. When we can create a longer breath in and a longer breath out, we're taking less breaths per minute. And organically and naturally, our boundaries will grow east and west. And there's a wider foundation for the brain to interact with the information. It's much like a pyramid. You know, these pyramids have been around for thousands and thousands of years and have weathered so many storms. And they're still uh, erect. Well, it's the same thing with the brain. You know, you want to build that foundation as far out east and west as you can so you can weather the psychological storms of the mind that you know are going to come. The sun's not going to come out every day. And the wider we can build our base east and west, organically over time, you'll begin to see there's another layer of block coming up. There's another layer of block going up. There's another layer of block coming up. So you're shaped like those pyramids in Egypt in your mind's eye. You're not shaping the pyramid upside down, balancing on the tip of the pyramid when just the littlest thing that could go wrong can tip that pyramid over. And the next thing you know, you have to have some big pity party and, you know, you're super angry or, you know, filled with anxiety about the moment. I feel like I'm having a therapy session. So I live in Northern California within 50 miles of the huge LMU fire, which is ending up being over 400,000 acres. Mm. And I've had recent fires within 12 miles of me where we were on warned evacuation. So I can breathe and get my mind out of fear. Unfortunately, when I inhale, I smell smoke. And I find that there are times at night when I'm sleeping, when I smell more smoke than I did a little while ago, where it wakes me because my body goes into, what's that? How can I, is there a way I can alter that? I mean, I can always, I can eventually come to consciousness enough to go, I'm fine. I've looked around. I go outside and look around. Everything's fine. But there is that immediate reaction of, and which is, I mean, we go back to living in caves when this was accurate. You had fear or adrenal surge for a reason. But I'd like to calm that, even though the fear is reality, and yet I'd still like to calm that. Is there a way to transform that into something else? Or Well, thousands of years ago when there was a fire, we would you know, move away from <laughs> yes. the smoke. Yes. That has been so, suggested. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. You know, that unfortunately, you know, that, you know, isn't available to us today. So there's another way that we can breathe where we're breathing through the nose, where we can look to the yoga tradition and we can find the ocean sounding breath or the ujjayi breathing <clears throat> where you're going to contract the epiglottis piece of cartilage, which is at the very tip of your trachea. So now we've created a dual filtration system to keep as much of the toxicity of the smoke out of our lungs and out of our inner world. And learning how to breathe through your nose diaphragmatically 
while you're valving the air through the top of the, tra- the trachea. <clears throat> You've created a dual filtration system where you're keeping airborne pollutants out of your body and not allowing as much of that as possible into your inner world. Also, when you contract the throat, when you're breathing through your nose in in a gentle way, it creates uh, inflammation reduction. It activates the vagus nerve where we're going to make it easier for us to breathe because we're reducing inflammation. We're reducing mucus. We're reducing phlegm. We're reducing fats all the particles that impede oxygen distribution to our vital organs, to our neuromusculoskeletal system. And the benefit of that is we're more dynamic in our mind. Mm. And everything you just said, thank you. And everything you just said there, because I wanted to go back to nitrous oxide and the phlegm mucus fat and covid could you talk about the relationship between Corona and because it's all everything you just said about smoke is also true about what's going on with the Corona or the COVID. So would you talk a little bit more about that com- relationship, I guess I'll call it. Yeah. So <clears throat> there's many, many airborne pollutants that we can't see uh, with our eyes. That's in our environment. <clears throat> A couple times a week, I'll take a cotton uh, cotton ball and I'll, I'll put uh, some rubbing alcohol on it, and then I'll, I'll clean the pores of my face. And I'm amazed that these cotton balls are filled with black, brown dust debris that's in my environment that I have no idea <laughs> is in my environment that must be coming in and out of my body. So the human filtration system is, number one, breathing through the nose. The nose has a built-in ventilation filtering system. It has various turbinites and villi, scylla, and all of this is designed to keep the 20 billion foreign invaders on a daily basis outside of our lungs, not getting in to our inner world. Number two, when you valve the air through the throat, you're creating another filtration system, not allowing these intruders into the alveoli sacs of your lungs, which are going to create mucus, phlegm, and fat. It's going to build up in the lower lobes of your lungs, and then we begin to see flu. Uh, We begin to see uh, uh, just not feeling great with ourselves because it takes so much energy for us to remain alive. So from a breathing, strengthening the immune function, ocean-sounding breath in your throat, less breaths per minute, all of this is going to keep us in a parasympathetic response. You're going to be as vibrant as possible in your body. You're going to have a huge fire in your gastrointestinal organs, but your heart rate and blood pressure are going to be stable and solid. You're not going to have an elevated heart rate or elevated blood pressure. So the idea here is to remember that use the double filtration system, which is going to keep the airborne pollutants out. It's also on the exhale going to allow you to extract the oxygen molecules out of the CO2. So you're building up what's called classically CO2 
tolerance. The brain doesn't like to see a buildup of CO2. It senses threat. We go into high alert, and the immune system is going to shut down at that point because at that point, the immune system is not a primary system. The brain thinks you're in danger of injury or death. So applying those two different breathing techniques as one breathing mechanism, diaphragmatic breathing through the nose, ocean-sounding breath in your throat. Practice this consciously as much as you can and introduce it to the part of your brain that's controlling your breathing. And when you're not controlling your breathing consciously, it's run by your autonomic nervous system and your subconscious brain. But the more you introduce this to your brain, and your brain begins to see the benevolence in this, then subconsciously, when you take your foot off the accelerator, the brain will allow it to happen on its own. And the cascade effect means that as we, we breathe and we get more smooth, we reduce the adrenal stress by having our adrenals not be freaked out all the time because we're in flight or fight mode. We're okay. And our immune system is more able to respond because it's not distracted by, oh, my God, we're going to be eaten. We're not going to be eaten. We're okay. And everything calms down, and the immune system is allowed to work more effectively. Is that a good review of that in a certain way? It's a perfect example. It, yeah. Folks have to realize it takes a tremendous amount of energy for us to be us. What, what thought forms, what behaviors, what habits have we entertained that we've become aware of that are wasting energy, that are weakening us? So being aware of the fact that you want to get through your day with the least amount of breaths as possible. Remember, your respiration rate is going to reflect your heart rate and blood pressure. The average is about 10 to 12 breaths per minute. If you're taking more than 10 or 12 breaths a minute, you're weakening your immune system. Your blood pressure is up. You're building inflammation stores in your hips, your buttock, and your belly. And you're weakening your ability to fight off these airborne foreign invaders. So getting control of your breath, getting control of your physiology is a great way to control your mind. Ah, my mind. It's a box of marbles up there. That's why I feel smoother when I breathe. <laughs> so that's excellent. And is that... Is that I, I'm fascinated by your work with well boardrooms and professional athletes. When when you're working with these really professional, I'm not a sports person. However, I see professional athletes as gladiators. We needed a new form of entertainment, and these are gladiators. They're just they've removed the lions. <laughs> and when you're first meeting these professional athletes and you're going to train them about breath, what's their immediate response like? Who's this guy? What? How does that go? Well, there's no, there's no middle ground there. They either love me or hate me. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, I appreciate that. You know, I, I don't do well with partly cloudy. Uh, 
So, uh, you know, the idea here, you know, is to use your breath to control your heart rate. When you can control your heart rate, you have a much greater command over interacting and controlling that film, that sight and sound show that's taking place in the human mind. And when there is a sense of safety in the brain, in the mind, because you're controlling your heart rate, because you're controlling the length, depth, and pace of your inhale and exhale, you're naturally going to burn fat. And fat is an endurance energy. It is an enduring energy. And it is substantially stronger than burning glucose or sugar, the other form of fuel. So getting control of the breath and showing the athletes that really it's not how far you run. It's not how many weights you lift. It's actually how many breaths you've taken in that time frame of exercise. And the idea initially is to take less breaths per minute in regard to whatever you're doing. And this allows us to become more efficient in the movement of the body we become more aware in the mind so we can see things on the periphery, whether it's interpersonal or there's opponents outside of us. And we're always moving from the inside out. We're not allowing the outer environment to control us. We're controlling the outer environment. And... I, I imagine at some point when they first see you, like they say, like you said, they, it's a love-hate thing. But then as they see their performance improve, because they are really fine-tuned machines, I mean, it's really hard. Again, I'm not, I'm not a sports fan, but I've observed them as it's hard. And you have to be hyper-focused or get smashed. So the idea is to smash first. Isn't that true? Like I say, I'm not a sports person, but it seems like that's the goal. Who gets smashed first? The guy that's smashing first is the winner. Isn't that kind of true? Uh, you know, I believe either we engage the present moment with free will or the present moment engages us with insecurity will or, or mm. fear will or the sense mm -hmm. that it's not going to work out. So, you know, when you have this human brain, we've discovered this whole top of this brain. And this is as adults where we learn new awarenesses. It's where we evolve our physical, mental, emotional skill sets. It doesn't happen down in the lower brain. The lower brain is just worried about uh, eat, sleep, sex. So getting up into that higher brain is huge in regard to improving your skill sets without the traditional wear and tear and pounding that we took in training athletes in the 70s and 80s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. It's not about quantity. It's about quality and producing quality moments for ourselves from the inside out first comes by taking control of your respiration rates. I remember when I used to watch the Olympics, and I always forget what this competition is called. It's the Winter Olympics where they um, ski and shoot. So you ski like a madman, and then you have to lay down, throw yourself on the ground, and shoot at a target. 
and I don't know why this floated to the top so much for me with watching them, but as you watch athletes, whether it's uh, somebody shooting a bow and arrow or somebody shooting a gun or even other kind of competitive situations, there's always that breath right before they do it. There's always that you see them inhale and slowly exhale. And I don't know if it's conscious. I hope it is. They've worked with somebody like you who's gone, breathing's really helpful. Well, firearms training is all about breath control these days. You know, it's like what we did when we started the program. You know, there's this inhale, and you stabilize the mind and body. And then there's that gap between the end of the inhale and before you exhale. And that's where we bust our move. That's where we pull the trigger or let the arrow fly. It's that moment where everything becomes still and silent. And at that moment, you're at the optimal psychological and physiological position to have the most effective outcome with the external environment. Mm. And how does this carry over to your work in the boardroom? I mean, I kind of understand it, but it seems like a slightly different thing where you're working in corporate America, teaching executives to breathe and to be focused. How does that carry over into that world? (laughs) Well, I've seen people in, in corporate America have their heart rate up just as high as folks in the Tour de France. I mean, it's, it's just mental activity. So remember the inner world, it's dark in there. It just responds. <laughs> it just responds to whatever's yeah. occurring. So in the corporate world, you know, what we want to do again is stay in rhythm psychologically. We want to burn fat all day long as our primary fuel. We want to harness the passion of our emotions to fuel our thinking mind, you have to be uh, in it sort of to, to win it. So I'm trying to create the same physiology. I'm trying to create the same psychological outcomes in corporate America that we're trying to do in the athletic America. It's all the same stuff inside. You're trying to create the same neurochemistry. You're trying to create the same hormonal secretions in the body. And it's all about really being in control of yourself and not allowing emotions to overpower intellect, especially at the workplace. That never turns out well. When we can become aware that our breath has become disturbed, that's an alarm. Something is going to happen, which is going to be a lesson, or it's going to be an opportunity to learn something new. So whether it's an athletic event and you've lost control of your breath or whether you're at the office or your workspace at home and your breath is disturbed, something's going on in your body and in the lower part of your brain where there's a sense of threat or inadequacy or I'm not good enough or I don't deserve it or whatever the particular languaging might be. And the idea here is to pause, slow your breath down reorganize yourself through your autonomic and central nervous system, amplify your peripheral nervous system, which is reading the environment, and then try to find the finest thread 
the finest part of yourself in cognition and speak it clearly. I'd like to see more of that in corporate America. <laughs> Just a personal view. I can think of some social media executives could could use clearer decision making. Um, <laughs> I have so much more to say about that, but I won't. Um, it's okay. It, it, you know, we're all good here. This is a wonderful <laughs> topic. Well, I, I was going to ask about this. Actually, kind of fits here. What are your thoughts on breath? and social media or doom scrolling. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that phrase, but there's a great phrase rolling around in the tech world called doom scrolling. And I think if they would pause and breathe, that would really, okay, have a session of doom scrolling and then maybe some breathing or maybe no doom scrolling. I don't know. Your your thoughts? Well, my thought about the internet and social media is that obviously when I was, when I was young, I'm in my sixties, uh, you know, there wasn't any social media, there wasn't any computer and, you know, all conversation took place on the phone or it took place face to face. It was, you know, very simple and everybody, uh, seemed to know where everybody else was coming from. And I think with the onslaught of the computer and social media, I think that it comes with a tremendous responsibility to be authentic, to be of good character, to uh, be of grace when you're dealing with other human beings because you're not having that human connection. And I think it's very harmful when it is used improperly. And I think we all need to raise our game up if we're going to utilize this amazing gift of the internet as a, as a tool to learn, as a, as a tool to find new information. It, it's wonderful. But I think the downside of it is, is you, you can't dump unhealed portions of ourself or our wounds out into the ethers and think that you're doing anything well for the human condition. So for me, when I look at the internet or I look at any of the social media things, I try to look at it with indifference. I never try to tell anyone uh, how to think or how to feel about a particular thing. Uh, there's, there's a simplicity to it that I think needs to be honored with the complexity of how we can reach so many different people. And slowing your breath down and thinking twice before you're placing negativity out into the field. Because the only person you're being negative to is yourself. You're not affecting anyone else per se. This is just a part of yourself that's calling out for love. It's calling for compassion. It's calling for forgiveness. And trying to harness all of the potential goodness in the part of ourselves inside where we might be feeling wounded or might be feeling uh, less than loving or, or somehow we have a sucky, happy gene. And everybody else on the planet's happy but me. You know, it's all, you know, good father. But at the end of the day, the internet calls for us. It calls our finest self to come forward and handle this great responsibility with the wisdom of our heart rather than parts of our subconscious brain where things in the past in our life might not have worked out the way we initially intended it. Mm, that. That's a whole other show. Um, <laughs> do, you, do you think, do you feel that 
breathing in group enhances our connectivity? I do. I do. Uh, When it comes to breath control, it's important to know that less is more. You don't need to do a lot of this to really harness your skill sets. Now, we know that when a group of people come into a boardroom and everybody sits down and there's 10 people in the room, there's 10 heartbeats that are moving at 10 different rhythmic paces. We know that when people pause for a minute before they begin their meeting, close their eyes and just focus on their breath and they open their eyes 60 seconds, 90 seconds later, the metrodome of the heartbeats is all 10 hearts are beating together. And there's a synergy there. The body senses support. It senses uh, that everything is okay. And everybody's more focused on the goodness of what can happen rather than, you know, there's, there's something over here that's going to, you know, this guy, every time he talks or something wrong or, or, or this gal over here has always got an edge to grind with me. And that's all subconscious, blah, blah. You know, so if we can just all get together and slow down, the heart begins to pick up the other hearts and then everybody's breathing together. And there's a huge force for transformational conscious change that's going to allow us to all work together to solve an issue and see the unity in what might appear to be our diversity. Mm. Hmm. And <laughs> and do you think it's possible that you might be quietly affecting corporate America to be more of good character by introducing them to breath and consciousness? I I do I do. Uh, Yay. You know, bad news travels fast and everybody sees all the bad news all the time. I think there's a lot of really, really great things going on in America right now. I think there's a lot of great things going on in the world right now. I think this uh, isolation time has has been a a chance for people to maybe look inward a little more, introvert a little more in the separation of the other human beings, which is going to make us stronger when we come back out. So being a a good corporate citizen uh, begins – with the owner of the company, you know, that person has the most energy in that company and things run down off of her or him. So the more that we can affect the hierarchy of of the boardrooms, the greater natural organic tentacles of that will drift down into the support staffs of of the managers and the vice presidents and the foot soldiers and everybody involved and know that everybody's equal, whether you're the CEO or you're mopping the floors at night. Every human being is valuable and we are all equal regardless of our social status. Mm. Boy, howdy. Um, I'm surprised to find we're at the time when I want to ask you about how do people work with you and would you say your website so people will hear that. The listeners will hear that. And how do people work with you or a little bit of information about your e-learning courses? Because I know you have courses available for us to study on our own or for professionals. So my website is uh, www.edharold.com, all small case. And I can be emailed at ed at edharold.com. I have a bunch of uh, e-learning programs uh, 
online uh, that'll meet you exactly where you are, whether this is completely new to you. I have a basic program and then I have a, uh, a 15 and 25 hour program for folks in the corporate world, the healthcare world, or uh, the corporate world, corporate fitness and uh, healthcare. So I have three different online programs which are in the can. And when you take these programs, uh, you also get uh, a private session with me at the beginning or end of your program, whatever you feel is most efficient for you so that we can kind of bring everything in the customizing it for exactly what you require at this specific, specific moment of your life to promote growth from the inside out. Wow. All right. Sign me up. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Thank you. I'll have more of that. I'll have more of that. Thank you. I'll have what he's having more of that growth from inside. Uh, that was really great, Ed. I know it was going to be a great conversation from looking at your book, and I'm really happy we did this. Uh, I, I still feel smoother, and having done a show and feeling smoother, it's a nice combination. So thank you so much. That was awesome. You know, it was great to connect with you today, and I wish you and your audience nothing but the best as we move uh through this confusion to great times of concentration, abundance of love and happiness and joy for all of us. Thank you. And with that, everybody have a great rest of the weekend and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.